Should I should I just dress up? Nah, there's, we'll, a, there's we'll, a conductor's we'll, hat right there. We'll just use the audio. It's fine. All right, let me get my notes. What are we calling this podcast again? Do we have? This is your show. No, but like, do we have a name for the series? The the Railroad Study Show. Mm. All right. It's the Railroad Study Show with me, Aaron Buckley, and... Should I say say my name out loud? Yeah. (laughs) Gideon Commands. Well, and we're rail fans. Um, I'm from Queens, which is technically on long island even though people don't really think about it stuff within the city as being on long island but back in what the time we're talking about it definitely was considered long island and i grew up riding the long island railroad a bunch uh i could walk to woodside station from my house yeah you want to my name is... <laughs> should, 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 should i should i go ahead yeah like I, I'm bad. I'm, I'm bad at podcasts. I've never I, done. I feel like they, we should let them know who we are because you know, this is the first episode, and they're not going to know. Where am I going to want to be known who I am? I'm going to get. I'm going to receive hate mail for saying saying that the the LIR should have gone to the New Haven or something. <laughs> my name's my name's my name's Gideon. I uh, I live in Hammond, Indiana. I love trains. Um, I have very strong interest in trains in Chicago, New York, and London, well, England as a whole. Um, so I, I naturally really love the Long Island Railroad. Um, Aaron's one of my best buddies. And uh, whenever I go to New York, it usually is, uh, well, it only happened once um, <laughs> for six hours. But I'll tell you, all of those six hours were um, spent in a rail-induced a, uh, a coma. So uh, I'm very serious about my trains. What's up, Aaron? We did spend an additional like 15 minutes in New York on the Acela. I was thinking about that, <laughs> but I I don't know I I don't know if they're ready for the Delaware theory yet. Oh yeah. So basically, the format, the way this podcast is gonna work is we're gonna we're gonna alternate topics. So this episode. I'm picking the topic next, next time it's going to be Gid's turn. Um, Aaron, I've, if you may excuse me for two seconds, I have to let my dog out. All right. Just, just, I'll, I'll be back. My dog went out in 10 degree weather just to bark. So anyway, at first, all of my weeks are going to be Long Island Railroad history because it's really fascinating. It's a wild ride. I, I want to take you with me on it. So. I guess we'll begin. (laughs) Okay, I want you to imagine this scene, right? The year is 1832, and New York City is just Manhattan at this point. And like, even though the whole island of Manhattan is within city limits, like pretty much anything north of like 23rd Street is considered the countryside. So like, you know, when we came into Penn Station and we walked over to Grand Central, like that that's all countryside basically. Really? But then, like, when we were downtown by the Oculus, like, that would have been the city. Really? Huh. Yeah. I guess they just had not skewed expectations. Well, yeah, skewed expectations what New York once was. I can't believe it was once a uh, a small place just like every everywhere else. <laughs> I guess everywhere, everywhere has to start from somewhere. 
I don't want to get too off topic, but it really makes you think about how miraculous New York is as a city that can grow to be one of the most major metropolitan centers in the world in such a short time compared to perhaps a more established old city like Rome or Jerusalem. But this has nothing to do with the Long Island at this point. So we'll we'll yeah. go back to the narrator for the main story. Okay. Okay. So remember, it's 1832. So last year, the New York and Harlem Railroad was incorporated, which is the first railroad in New York City. Um, and it's, it's going to open up later this year. And it's the first ever street railroad in the world. The section that's opening this year goes from Prince Street up as far north as 14th Street, which is not that far if you know New York geography. But eventually they have the goal of making it all the way to Harlem, which is like uptown Manhattan. That's like 125th Street. So like five miles from where the, the current end of it is down at like 14th Street. So anyway, railroads right now, they're like the hot new thing at this point. It's a new technology, um, you know, the, we're getting, you know, railroads are kind of going up in a whole bunch of other cities. So enter into the picture a group of men with incredible 19th century names. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this list of names. James Foster, Fanning C. Tucker, William R. Gracie, Abraham Vanderveer, Philip Brasher, Joshua Sands, David Lamberson, John C. Smith, David An Anderson, Obadiah Jackson, Obadiah, Van Wick Wickies, <laughs> Nathaniel F. Warning, John Johnson, and Samuel Smith. And th they decided that they want to build one of these newfangled railroads on nearby Long Island with a single or double track and with such appendages as may be deemed necessary for the convenient use of the same, commencing at any eligible point in the village of Brooklyn in the county of Kings and extending to any point within the village of Jamaica in the county of Queens. Uh, and they decide to name it the Brooklyn and Jamaica Railroad because that's what it is. Yeah, that's, that's just what, what it's going to be. Yeah. So they decide to hire military engineer Major D.B. Douglas. And this guy's pretty famous at this point because he just designed the Morris Canal. Um, and so they, they hire him to survey the line. And he does. And he, he takes one look at it and he decides this should take people to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine he's just standing out in the field? I actually had a question about like the land at the time because I know like we're all familiar with you know if you're a Ralph in the Northeast Corridor pops out going south uh, from Penn Station in the marshlands was Long Island a really marshy area like uh, back then? Uh, parts of it were marshy like along the South Shore. Was pretty marshy. Still is pretty marshy, um, but not. But the interior of it's not so marshy. Okay. 
Yeah. I just have this mental image of like just like this dude and he probably has like all his instruments out and maybe he has like a wagon and like parchment and lanterns and he's just sitting there like looking at a tree or something just like you know this is pretty tight this should go all the way to Boston no one's really built one of those railroads yet well you know why not why not go big why not just we'll just go all the way yeah anyway so you're like Right, so we got this 10 mile line in what's now outer borough, New York City. <laughs> but at the, you know, but back then it's 1832. So this is connecting, you know, small but growing villages of Brooklyn and Jamaica, Long Island. And this, this is somehow supposed to get people to Boston. And it's on an island too. And so you're probably thinking like, how does this like make any sense at all? But you see, you're looking at this from the 2021 perspective. And as we all know, hindsight is 2021, which is to say it's like slightly <laughs> less than ideal. <laughs> um, and yeah, nowadays it's like, yeah, you go on the, you go to Penn Station, you hop on the Acela, you go up the Connecticut coast and you're in Boston in under four hours. Feels like forever going. Yeah, it feels like two weeks. Um, First of all, I would like to say that if you live in Connecticut, one, screw you. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know what, that was, that was too harsh. That was too harsh. If, if you live in Connecticut, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> but. So, but this is 1832, so things are pretty different, right? Yeah. You know, trains are still new technology. They're still figuring this stuff out. And people have deemed it impossible to build a railroad up the Connecticut coast. It's like too windy. There's too many rivers, too many hills. Like, it's just too complicated. No one can do it, right? Meanwhile, Long Island is nice and flat, you know? It doesn't have any rivers. It's just a nice flat grassy expanse that you can just build a nice straight railroad on. So Major Douglas, he, he makes this report and he says, he's like trying to present, he says, the public mind is quite familiar with speeds of 20 to 30 miles per hour and numerous locomotives in various parts of the country are wheeling daily over their respective tracks at these rates without a murmur of alarm or disapprobation. I think it not unreasonable, therefore, to assume five hours as a fair average trip from Brooklyn to Greenport. The ferry will then occupy two hours but by making the ferry boat a convenient hotel with proper arrangements for rest and refreshments, this will prove only an agreeable and profitable relaxation. The remainder of the trip to Boston will be performed easily in four and a half hours. So that only, only 11 and a half hours will be required for the entire journey from New York or Brooklyn to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> only 11 and a half hours. Um, we see we see the spirit of being slow still uh, is still with us today, even though maybe a little bit less less severe. 
anyway so so douglas is not a businessman and like so he doesn't want to be bothered like with running a company or whatever so he just basically he makes this report and then he he looks for some some rich people to invest in it and he finds them and you know hands it off to them so they can create the the long island railroad and so they approved that charter in 1834 and then in 1836, the Long Island Railroad begins leasing the Brooklyn, Jamaica for 33300 a year, which is a lot of money back then. But they're expecting heavy Boston-bound traffic. <laughs> and so that opens on April 18th, 1836. And on that very same day, the Long Island Railroad, they're already getting started on construction to to get the line further east you know gotta go to boston so at first right so you got this problem which is that steam engines are banned um from the street from running on the streets in the city of brooklyn um so they have to have the trains be pulled by horses um for the that stretch in Brooklyn down to down to the waterfront. But then in 1844, they get approved to, to dig a tunnel under Cobble Hill, under Atlantic Avenue, that they were then allowed to run steam engines through and then onto the street. <laughs> uh, and so those, they, they ran on steam, steam dummy trains, which, uh, the listeners they don't know basically steam dummy trains the thinking what so when they first had steam locomotives on the street horses got spooked by them and so they were like oh well what's what's scaring these horses about you know these these trains you know what it is it's the round shapes horses <laughs> are like round shapes Square shapes are fine. Like, you know, they've been pulling like horse cars and carriages. Those are nice boxy shapes. Like, you know, they like that. But round shapes like a locomotive. <laughs> that's what they don't like. Clearly, that's the scary thing. It's not like the smoke or the noise or anything. So they made these, these engines where it's just a, like, it looks like a, um, like a truck like a streetcar on the outside but there's just on the inside there's just like a a tank engine and um, they go 12 miles an hour <laughs> to, quite disagreeable yeah rewind back to 1836 so you know they're 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 building the line and by march 1837 they reach hicksville which they describe as flat as a barn floor <laughs> uh it's a single track line, but the right of way is graded for two tracks. It's 28 feet across. And Cuomo is currently squeezing a third track in there <laughs> as we speak. Trying. What? We'll see how, just said trying. We'll see how far he gets. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's happening. They're, they're working on it, you know. They're, 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 he's forcing it through. You know, Cuomo, he's getting his way. But then we have the great financial panic of 1837. 
And so Hicksville stays the end of the line for a few years. But this is a problem because, you know, nobody lives in flat as a barn floor Hicksville. (laughs) (laughs) So in the meantime, they build and, and this line that goes to Hicksville, I mean, it just goes this straight path through a, this area where nobody lives. So they build a, in the meantime, they build a short little line to um, Hempstead, a short branch line from Mineola, which is somewhere where people live. Um, <laughs> which is somewhere, <laughs> I just imagine that below, below the station sign for uh, Mineola, somewhere where people live. <laughs> and here's the, here's the description of it. It ran south through the Hempstead Plains, and upon reaching the prosperous little village, ran down the center of Main Street and terminated between Center and Fulton Streets. A small dummy train, pulling coaches of English design, shuttled passengers and freight over the branch, occasionally stopping at a sidetrack to wait for an up train and (laughs) and allowing its passengers time to wander on the plains while they waited. These small locomotives used on this branch and later within the city limits of Brooklyn were short four-windowed structures resembling a one-horse streetcar. A vertical steam boiler with a short smokestack rising through the roof powered its four wheels, which were driven directly by a piston and connecting rod from a small cylinder located very near the front wheels. They usually ran at about 12 miles an hour and were affectionately known as the dummy trains. Hempstead Station, a very small affair, heralded each each departure of the dummy by having the conductor walk up and down the street ringing a handbell. When the passengers were safely in, he collected the fares from outside of the coaches and swung himself aboard. But, you know, the economy starts to recover, and by 1839, you know, the ball's rolling again, and Vice President George V. Fisk decides he's going to push once more towards Boston, right? So by 1841, they make it to what's now called Farmingdale, but at that time it was called Hard Scrabble. <laughs> Just gives <it's> hard. <laughs> um, by 1842, they arrive at Deer Park. Okay, so this quote that I'm about to read you, it, it gives you a description of what Deer Park was. It's a little bit upsetting, but I think it gives a very good understanding of what life was like in the mid-19th century. So I'm going to read it. So the station was called Deer Park because of the number of deer that wandered about. A few years later, when cow catchers were introduced, deer were often killed by the trains. And the story has been handed down that when this happened, the whole village turned out for a free feast and the horns were placed on the cow catcher and displayed at the station. The engineer having the most antlers was crowned at a ceremony in the depot. <laughs> Just very gruesome. <laughs> I think I guess people were bored back then. Yeah. Gotta find something to do. So later that year, they reach, they, they name a station called Suffolk Station. Now it's called Central Islip. And then 
then it's Med, then Medford and Millville, which is now Yap Yank in uh, 1844. Um, the next bit of the line was to reach a place which was then called Punk's Hole, but they decided they didn't like that name. So they're gonna call it um, St. George's Manor. One weird name to another. Yeah, the historian Prime describing it says that a more retired solitude in the midst of an inhabited country could neither be found nor imagined. And had a man 30 years ago ventured to predict that this spot was destined to become the stopping place for the refreshment of hundreds of travelers between New York and Boston, he would have been considered a madman and, poss and possibly might have been bound with cords for fear he might do injury. <laughs> so while they're building towards St. George's Manor from the west, they're also building from the east in Greenpoint. They're gonna meet at St. George's Manor. So the deep cut at Terry's farm had taken nearly all the winter of 1844 to finish. About 40 men, mostly Irishmen, had been brought in for the job and many natives were employed as well. Time was growing short for the opening of the entire line which was scheduled for July. Due to a delay in a shipment of the Liverpool Rail, a three mile stretch west of Manor had to be finished by emergency measures. These consisted in the use of eight inch square timber laid on the ties. Onto these flat bars of iron, three inches by three quarter inches were securely spiked. And later those would be replaced with the standard T-rails. But for the time being, the day was saved and the road was ready for the first run and the monster celebration at Greenport on July 27th, 1844. I, I, I told Aaron uh, a little bit earlier today because he told me about the wooden rails. I didn't know about that. And my first, my first thought was the LIR has literally been cheapskates since the year they were founded. I don't know. There's a common LIR practice where they don't have enough seats to replace in the modern day. They don't have enough seats to replace uh, torn seats, so they just cover it with a little bit of duct tape and they say it's okay. <laughs> we know where it comes from now, after yeah, historical yeah. research. So anyway, so the opening day of the the Brooklyn to Greenport train, the you know the the Boston train the festivities are insane right so they run three trains on the opening of the route and they offer free rides to all who can fit on the train anyone oh onto the if you get on the train you got free ride all the way to greenport baby so here's an account from a resident of saint george's manor of the, the celebration they arrived at manor loaded to the steps. My brother Edgar and others crowded aboard, however, and got their free ride. When the third train came in, it did not stop, and I with the others got left. This three-section train loaded to the steps carried George B. Fisk, president of the Long Island Railroad, and its directors, the directors of the Brooklyn and Jamaica, the mayor of Brooklyn, engineers, the press, prominent citizens, stockholders, and invited and uninvited guests. 
Instead of taking five hours for the 95 mile trip, the train made the run in just three and a half hours. Its arrival at Greenport was heralded by a great crowd from the villages nearby. Anchorage and Greenport Harbor was crowded with visiting boats and mooring places were at a premium. Horses hitched to schooner wagons and box wagons were, as a precautionary measure, hitched to trees in the woods at some distance from the railroad. Speeches were made, toasts proposed, and guests and citizens were entertained at a sumptuous repast in a field near the depot. A large tent was spread north of the tracks. Four tables, a hundred feet long, were spread oh, under wow. the tent. And dinner was served to the parties who had come on the train and a few villagers. The provisions were brought from New York and included 40 baskets of champagne and half a case of brandy. Oh. As a natural consequence, many of the excursionists were so stupidly inebriated that it was necessary to put them on board the cars. The whole affair was discreditable <laughs> in the extreme. Um, it was 100, what was it, 160 years ago, 165 years ago, and people People were still getting drunk and going home on the LIRR. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> it was 176 years ago. 176 years. This, this, whenever you see a drunk person on the Long Island Railroad next, just remember that's history. That's a historical tradition. <laughs> okay, so at this point, it's 96 miles long, and it's the longest railroad in New York State. So that's pretty impressive. So they, they ran a, so they start running a daily train called the Boston, which goes from Brooklyn to Greenport. It, it goes east one day, then the next day it goes west and it doesn't run on Sundays. The initial fare from Brooklyn to Greenport. So after they had that fun of the free rides the first day, they set the fare at $2.25 and for perspective, that is worth $78.74 today. Oh my goodness. And a ride, the most expensive ticket on that same route today. So if, you're, if you were to buy the ticket on board the train, instead of like from a machine at the station, um, and it's peak hours. Um, although there haven't been peak fares since COVID, but let's just say there were. So the most expensive ticket you could get would be $37, that same route. Which, so that's a pretty good deal by comparison. Yeah. And so thinking about that next time you complain about how expensive commuter rail tickets are in New York area. Um, and if you get an off-peak ticket in advance, it's only $22.25. So pretty good. <laughs> um, and you have multiple trains you can take each day. You yeah. cannot take a direct train though. Uh, you will have to change at least twice if you do that route. So anyway. Wait, 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 wait. If you want to go to Greenport, you have to take two trains? 
If you're coming from Brooklyn, well, there are actually there are Ronkonkoma trains from Brooklyn, but there's one I think in the peak hours and the afternoon peak. Well, first of all, the trains that run to Greenport are pretty much are all diesel scoots that just run from Ronkonkoma to Greenport, and then Ronkonkoma trains for the most part do not go to Atlantic Terminal in Brooklyn. They mostly go to um, Penn. Uh, the trains that serve Brooklyn mostly go to um, shorter, do shorter distances. It's mostly Far Rockaway, West Hampstead, Hampstead, you know. Oh. And then after, have- after East Side Access, they're going to make it just be a shuttle from uh, Atlantic Terminal to Jamaica Station. I think there's still going to be a few through trains, but I don't know. I have a lot more to learn about this railroad. Yeah. Well, the diesel trains are too big to fit on the Atlantic in the Atlantic branch tunnel <laughs> under Atlantic Avenue. That uh, was the original main line, right? Yeah. Th- this is the, the line we we're talking about, the Brooklyn, Jamaica. We've have determined that the clearance in the, the, the Atlantic Avenue tunnel, talking to Lincoln, uh, our friend Lincoln, who knows a lot about the Long Island Railroad. Basically, he he thinks that the clearance is 11 foot 10. So remember when you thought, when you asked me if we could put a, um, a P32 into yeah. east side axis? <laughs> no. The answer was no. No, you cannot. I mean, we. I think Eastside Access is probably a little bit taller, but it's probably not more than 13 feet at most. Although the trains to Ronkonkoma are electric, so they, I mean, they can run to Atlantic Terminal and they do. It's just, it's only like one a day. Is the terminal underground now? Atlantic? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wonder why it's still there. Because it would seem like there's, it would seem like it wouldn't be the type of line to get enough service where it would stay open. It's kind of interesting. It gets a decent amount. Atlantic Terminal is is somewhat busy as a station. The intermediate stops, Nostrand Avenue and uh, East New York, which both date to the original Brooklyn, Jamaica. They were Bedford and East New York Station. They don't get as much service. East New York Station is like, oh, that is a grim awful place what's wrong with it okay well first of all it's in like one of the worst neighborhoods in new york but also let me describe the weirdness of this station layout so it is above ground well it's like at ground level basically but it's under atlantic avenue so like atlantic avenue comes up like on like a, a viaduct that just like runs like on top of it Mm-hmm. And so you're like in this station, and like you kind of feel like you're underground, but there's like windows, so you're not underground. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of like weird and dark under the the street. And then the way you enter the station, there's this super sketchy underpass that goes underneath. Um, it used to not have any signs. There was there were just stairs that just went down from the, the sidewalk <laughs> and <this> underpass. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just 
it's it's just a really awful place it's like the worst train station in new york should look at some pictures of it anyway let's get back to the story right when uh, 1844 we finally have the like new york to to boston service right so the Island railroad right so they have the train it goes from brooklyn to to greenport which is all the way at the eastern end of long island and then that's where you transfer to the boat service so they got by a boat so they buy a steamship called the Cleopatra from Cornelius Vanderbilt. Of course. At this point is known for his steam his steamship empire. He, he doesn't own trains yet. Yet. And so that goes across Long Island Sound to Stonington, Connecticut, where you can get on the Norwich and Worcester Railroad, which takes you to, to Boston. So that, that service starts on August 10th. So just a few months after they get the train running. So, okay, you're thinking this is pretty good. They've achieved their goal. You know, you've got your, your 11 and a half hour combination rail boat rail service, <laughs> Brooklyn to Boston, you know, everything's sunshine and roses, right? Well, not quite uh, because there's some pretty stiff competition because they're not the only people who's who are doing a a rail ferry combo at this point so there's some boys across the sound talking smack so across the sound we have the hartford and new haven railroad this same year they also start their own service where you take a a steamship from new york to New Haven, and then you take the train from there to Boston via Springfield. And then like the route the Lakeshore Limited goes that we took, you know, so that that's pretty bad. Oh, I forgot to me- mention they so they bought they bought their first boat from Cornelius Vanderbilt to Cleopatra, but then they bought two other boats. And by 18, so two years later in 1846, because of this competition, they're forced to sell two of them to the Norwich and Worcester the Railroad. So it's already not looking so good. And then the next year, the Fall River line opens. <laughs> We're talking about the Fall River line. The Fall River line, yeah. So this is where you take a steamboat from New York all the way to Fall River, Massachusetts. And then you take this train up to this short train up ride up to Boston. And it's very luxurious and super popular. Every everyone who was everyone rode this train or this boat and train, I should say. Um, my favorite quote was there was a report. There was like some reporter at some point who 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 said that if you if you didn't take the Fall River line, did you even go to Boston at all? <laughs> <laughs> Or no, it was, it would be, it is, you might as well have not gone. Yeah. At all. That lasted surprisingly long. What was it until like the 1940s? Until the 30s, yeah. Yeah, something absurd that like there were people who were, who were still doing this instead of just taking the all land rail route so this so this puts even more competition and now they sell 
their la their third and last steamboat to Vanderbilt. And now to make matters even worse, the next year, 1848, the impossible happens. The New York and New Haven Railroad completes an overland route to Boston up the Connecticut shore. Now, all of a sudden, the entire reason the Long Island Railroad exists just evaporates. So like, what are they gonna do next? And that's, that's where I'm, I'm leaving this story. So if you wanna, you wanna find out more, tune in to the episode after next, because next episode's Gideon's topic, but. I have no idea what we're gonna talk about. <laughs> I'll figure it out. You just take a moment and you really, you really, really, really think about the history. And I, I, I like, I like putting myself in people's shoes, seeing these. Can you imagine if you, if you lived in Long Island, seeing a train for the first time, you probably, you probably get drunk because you've never seen anything like it before where you could go to New York in what? How many hours? Five, six? Uh, no, four and a half. Well, oh, well, the that, first that was a special normally like, was, all you ever knew all you ever knew were horses and carriages and all that. And all of a sudden, what was once like a probably a two-day trip to go to New York. Yeah. And you have to, you know, go down old roads, stop at taverns, try not to get sick, try not to get robbed. And now it, there's 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 a fancy new machine called the train. Yeah. That can take you there if you have $75. Yeah, and it's going across the great, well, they called it the Long Island Prairie at the time. Just this like flat expanse of like uninhabited grassland. It probably was pretty. And then it went into the woodlands where you have Deer Park, all the deer were, where they had that festival. (laughs) Oh, wait, there's more because earlier today you sent me a, a newspaper headline oh yeah that we can't forget about that that's actually really important so joe biden <laughs> joe biden is uh interested in the possibility of having a high-speed rail line leave New York through Long Island and to, to Boston and tunnel underneath the sound, yeah. which gets us right back where we started in a weird way. You know, we got we to gotta dig up Major Douglas out of his grave. I know. Is there, uh, is there a term for the opposite of spinning in your grave? Is there just like being extra rested in your grave? Because I think that would be it. Uncomfortable in your grave. Going... Going to Boston for, uh, if you're not of Connecticut blood, what, what seems to be the right way. <laughs> Inside you are two ways to get to Boston. <laughs> Me and Hassan, we want to do at some point, we're going to go from the Brooklyn waterfront where the, the trains used to start to Boston using this like roughly the same route. Do they still have cross sound ferries? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. They don't leave from Green... They don't They don't leave from, like, Greenport Station. You got to take a bus down to Orient Point. Okay. You could take a ferry, and it goes to New London instead of Stonington. But from there, you can take a train to Boston. So. Yeah. 
it work it all works itself out and it's faster now the entire thing i think it's like eight hours which is a big improvement over 11 and a half yeah you know even with modern uh modern trains and modern boats yeah the boats are a ton more faster yeah i mean the long island railroad's going um 80 miles per hour you get on amtrak and you in London, you go through Rhode Island. Well, I guess if you get on New London, you're probably on the regional, not the Acela. But what the regional tops out at like 110, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, 110. Actually, yeah. no, 125. 125. So you go 125 yeah. through um, Rhode Island and you skip. So, really, that's up at New London? What? Is the snow really not stopping you, wonder? Mm. Oh, it doesn't. I thought it did because it had to go so slow anyway through there. <laughs> well, they they claim this all is faster, but me and Aaron have ridden it, and it kind of is, but kind of isn't. Look, if you go this way, yeah, it'll take you twice as long overall, but you do get to avoid a really slow Connecticut coast, which feels like two months of travel time. So is it really all that much slower? Yeah. It probably feels faster. <laughs> uh, although it's probably, it's a lot less comfortable. What's the distance between New London and, uh, well, not even New London, but let's say, um... Greenport in the coast of Connecticut. Uh, um, the Supreme Court will have you believe that Long Island is a peninsula, not an island, but they are wrong. Well, it's in the name. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know how much more legal proof they want. <laughs> it's also completely surrounded by water on all sides. So I'm just measuring right now the just I'm like tracing the 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 ferries route on Google Maps with the distance measure tool. And it's uh, 17.4 miles. Tunnel, 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 tunnel able. How long is it travel, 30? Yeah, 31. It's, it. it's a lot less deep too, probably. Yeah, oh, it was so funny um, when Jeremy was talking about, you know, the, the plan to like tunnel under the the sound for the um, Northeast Corridor realignment. And I was like, has anyone ever built a tunnel that deep and long before? And Jeremy was like, Aaron, the tunnel exists. <laughs> you were you were through. I have been through the tunnel. Tunnel is weird because you're on a train and you're in England and then you spend like a decent amount of time in this long, dark, tunnel and then you just pop out and you're in France and it's like very clearly France like it like it just looks like France you have like these vineyards and like yeah you know like the the landscape it's very French look it's very much not England you can see some cars driving on the right side of the road and trains go on the left though the European way still that would be weird though if they had to do a crossover mid-tunnel like those bridges that go to Hong Kong from mainland yeah China. they have like a crazy like 
helix thing. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm reading about the 1996 I'm tunnel fire now. Recording. Uh, All right.